BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program. We're here. Been a little bit uh, of less recording the last two weeks, but I've got my guys to kneel. Best way to start the recording back. And, uh, you know, we talking some 49ers. How you doing, my man? Yeah, man. It's been it, – obviously, this time of year is the hardest to uh, for content creators, right? It's pretty slow. Not too much going on until training camp starts. Um, but glad to be back on, on the stream with you, man. Everything's blessed. Happy – Belated Fourth of July to everybody that's tuning in, and you know, excited to excited to talk shop with you, Ron. Yeah, man. Uh, like Sunil said, Happy Fourth of July to everybody out there. Hope everybody enjoyed a nice holiday on a Tuesday this week of all weeks. But hope everybody enjoyed the holiday, and uh, yeah, um, ready to talk shop, and we'll get into it. A lot of 49er stuff. We'll get the in-season predictions later in the show, but I want to start off, you know. With training camp, with uh, the news that's coming coming in at the moment, I'll say I'll say it that way. Um, obviously, the most recent kind of stuff has been tight end university, but something recently came out quarterbacks related about Sam Darnold. He's still working through learning the Shanahan offense. What is your quarterback outlook heading into training camp? How do you view it for the 49ers and um, anything else that we should know? I mean, I think for the first time in some time, Rohan, we have an actual uh, pecking order uh, for the 49ers, right? If healthy, QB1 we know is, is Brock Purdy, right? Now, the, the debates that, you know, national media and social media and everybody has been really going in on is who's two and three. And I think most people that are unbiased i would say <laughs> have slotted in like trey lance is is gonna be the number two quarterback right he was earned the starting position last year for him to just drop to now not even being the you know to, to the third string quarterback doesn't make sense and it's not necessarily only you know it, you you can debate sam darnold versus trey lance and the upside of one and 
knowing you know what Sam Darnold brings to the table. But the biggest reason is that the quarterback position for the 49ers, that offensive playbook that Kyle Shanahan, Shanahan has, isn't something that's easy to learn. And he, you, it's not like a just a plug-and-play type of offense where you can just come in and, and figure it out on the fly. Um, it, it takes time to, to, to learn that. And so I don't think it's shocking. I think everybody that, you know, like I said, was unbiased knew that Sam Darnold was going to struggle. He talked about it in his first presser, I think, in OTAs where he mentioned, yeah, I'm still trying to learn the playbook. And for it to go, you know, this far in and there's still being reports, he's still, you know, getting comfortable with it. I wouldn't say it's a negative for Sam Darnold. I'm just saying, like, that's just natural what, what's going to happen coming into a brand-new system, um, you know, new new terminology, new playbook obviously Kyle Shanahan is extremely advanced when it comes to offense so it, it, it's very understandable that he's going through these growing pains and, and still you know learning the playbook but it also I think is a feather in the cap of Trey Lance because remember when he was first drafted one of the things that was coming up was how quick he learned the playbook right so for those that want to question the the mentals or the aptitude of Trey Lance. Like we weren't hearing Trey Lance struggling with the playbook. He actually got it very, very quickly. Um, so another to me sign that, you know, Trey Lance is going to be slotted in as QB two. And if there's any drawback between Brock Purdy's injury and he doesn't come back as healthy as, as it's looking or trending right now, right. I, I would think that he'd be the starter as well. Yeah, I, I think that what you said is fair. And, I mean, it's a good way to, to look at it. Right now, I mean, the reality is one quarterback is learning the offense still, and we, we got a report about that recently. But one quarterback still learning, uh, learning, you know, going through the offense, and I think that that's important to note. It, it's Darnold's first offseason, right, with the, with the 49ers. And it's not to say he's the only quarterback having challenges. Purdy, obviously, with his injury – we don't know the certainty about his. Uh, uh, we we don't know the certainty of when his recovery timeline is. Lance, obviously, with the inconsistency that has been a part portion of it, and really just a lack of experience. And Darnold, who has admitted, it's been a work in progress. Um, he's gotten he he continues to get better, but he's still got to study. He's got to go through the process of learning the system, and. It's a Shanahan offense, one that, you know, while it's quarterback friendly, you still have to have a good, good understanding of the offense to be able to execute it to the perfection that Shanahan wants. And so that's a portion that goes through it. About your quarterback pecking order, I found that interesting. Um, you know, Purdy, if he's healthy, starts. I, I, I think I like that logic. Um, whether or not people agree with it or not, I think that logic makes sense, understanding where the 49ers have been with their starting position and that they like Purdy. Are they jumping the gun? Who knows? But they like Purdy, and he's the guy who sh probably starts um, should uh, he he be able to return to practice and be ready to be built up coming into week one. Lance, on the other hand, has the upper hand on the playbook and things like that. We've heard national media talk about how Sam Darnold could shine in this offense. The question, though, is how soon? Because he is learning the offense. Lance's inconsistencies obviously could plague him from getting meaningful experience in games and things like that. But 
it's really the the battle. How how does Lance's inconsistencies play against Sam Darnold's understanding of the offense? Because this is going to be an old-fashioned quarterback battle. I'd expect, you know, similar to minicamp, a split of the one first-team reps in between days. But they're running the same package. They're trying to perfect the package that, obviously, the 49ers used for Brock Purdy, it seems. And so... Interested to see how this one plays out. I do agree that it seems right now there's a pecking order, but I don't know what that pecking order will be come the end of the offseason. But right now, as for now, seems Purdy, seems Darnold, seems, uh, sorry, Purdy, Lance, then seems Darnold. You know what's interesting that you just said? You said they're running the same packages, and those packages are built for Brock Purdy. What's interesting about that to me, Rohan, is I actually think that Trey Lance is going to look better in the plays that they're 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 creating for Brock Purdy than the plays that were geared around Trey Lance. And and what I mean by that is I think that with Brock Purdy um Shanahan is treating him like a quarterback, right? And I think one of the criticisms about the game game calling when it came to Trey Lance was there was a lot of quarterback running like power running plays that were there versus just keeping Trey Lance in as a quarterback and and running plays like he would do if it was Jimmy if it was you know a, a Mullins or whatnot and then allow Trey's arm strength to be able to make those different decisions that maybe a uh, maybe a, a Jimmy Garoppolo wouldn't make because he doesn't have as much confidence in his in the in the strength of his arm However, when Trey Lance got in there, it was a completely different game plan where, you know, like I was saying, there's a lot of these power runs that were thrown in, a lot more utilizing his legs versus just letting him play the quarterback position. So I'm actually excited about seeing Trey Lance with the Brock Purdy quote-unquote package because um, I think that that's what a lot of 49er fan base that still believes in Trey Lance and thinks that, he could be a starter and a great starter for this team wants to see him given the opportunity to just play quarterback versus this hybrid that Shanahan has seemed to call for him. And obviously I think that we would have seen that last year, but you know, the season got cut short for Trey because, you know, unfortunately in one of those running plays or whether it was a scramble or was it a called run, I forget, but you know, ended up season ending injury for him. But uh, that's going to be one of the things that I'm excited to see is how Trey Lance looks in the quote-unquote Brock Purdy package. There we go. But I, I, I agree in that I, I'm very interested to see how does Lance look in this Brock Purdy package. I don't think there's enough of the sample size to say how Lance would look. And there was a reason behind why the 49ers had the play calling they did last off season, which is or last season, which is allowing Lance to develop through his strengths in order to get the package, the full full player that they wanted to come week 18, given the inconsistencies that he showed with his accuracy and with the arm talent that he possessed, despite obviously having strong arm and uh, different different capabilities with that arm. And so... So you believe, you believe that Shanahan called a different like let's say a different package or a different way of calling the game for Trey Lance because he believed that Trey Lance wasn't ready to run, let's say the Jimmy Garoppolo package, or do you think it's because Kyle Shanahan saw 
the ability to have that quarterback that could throw and run and wanted to like utilize that. You think it's more because of where Trey Lance was at um, as a quarterback versus Kyle Shanahan wanting to bring an, another level to his offense. I think it's well. I think it's a mix of both. More important, more so, the second version of what you're saying that it brings an extra layer of the offense because that's the main reason, right? It brings the extra layer of the offense. But in in regards to bringing the extra layer, it's not only about Lance, right? It's about the run game, and we could see the dividends that it paid that that paid off when Lance was implemented uh, into that into that level of offense. You saw the dividends that paid off. The run game was working spectacularly, and that was a huge facet of how the offense was working in that second game, albeit in not such a very small sample size. Um, I, I don't think that it's because he didn't believe Lance was ready to run the Jimmy Garoppolo offense or anything or whatever you want to call it. It's more so that he felt the other version of offense would provide more given Lance's skill set and allow him to be more comfortable as he as he gained experience to where he was ready um, come week 18, come playoff time when the 49ers truly needed him to elevate their ceiling to win that national, or not national, but NFL championship. Yeah, because, I mean, the way that it sounded was you were, think, you, you were stating that maybe it was more about Trey Lance not being ready versus – you know him actually them actually changing the offense uh, because yeah. of you know the tap the what trey lance is able to do that it's more so the second part yeah it's more so the second part for sure but um yeah quarterback outlook we're curious to see how lance performs really in, in an offense that'll purely be dictated at least in training camp by his arm talent which has been the main well it's been the one of the main strengths and one of the main concerns about lance throughout the offseason and throughout really his short-lived NFL career. I have a question for you, Rohan. Um, let's say Brock Purdy's healthy and he starts. And, you know, I think both of us, maybe I'm more strongly believed than you because I think you do think there might be a shorter leash. But let's say, you know, Brock Purdy plays and the team's winning um, in a similar fashion to how they were winning last season. Do you think that Trey Lance gets traded – this season, like mid-season at the trade deadline, you know, with because most likely there's going to be quarterbacks that get injured, so on and so forth. Or do you think that they keep Trey Lance throughout the season and possibly trade him in the offseason when if, let's say, Brock Purdy solidified as QB1? I think that overall, well, Lance, so you're saying essentially – do you think that Lance um, would get traded should Purdy play well, or do you think they keep him? Is that kind of your question? Yeah, like so. Let's just assume that Brock Purdy ends up being QB one. In like they they believe that he's QB one. Do you believe that they trade Lance mid season, in the off season, or do they just keep him as a backup throughout his rookie contract? I think first of all. If he doesn't get this starting job this year, he'll request a trade at some point, be it midseason or next offseason. But in regards to the 49ers, I, I don't think they'll be inclined to move him until they have to, just because his contract's fully guaranteed. And so if they believe in him at least as a backup, you've got your backup. Um, you know, until his rookie contract's over with. And so I don't think they'll be inclined to move him, understanding they probably can't recoup much at, at all. 
assets-wise, they probably can't recoup much at him. Do I think he finishes his contract in a 49ers uniform? Um, his rookie contract, that is? No. I, I think they'd probably be inclined to move him in the offseason. I don't know as much in the in the regular season, especially if he cements himself as QB2. So that's that's the that's the thing to me. I think that they'll be more comfortable with him and his understanding of the offense if he ends, ends up cementing himself as QB2 and not want to lose that uh, certainty of having a guy you trust in your quarterback number two for the season and more so move him in the offseason. So you think that Trey Lance's trade value is just too low to, to trade? Yeah, to warrant um, – you know, the 49ers moving him over keeping him for the value of having a strong backup quarterback they believe in. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. I, I think so. Obviously, Sam Donald's a part of the equation, and they have him as well. But I don't think that they – I think the best time to move him is when quarterback situations are unknown, when there isn't set-in-stone starters. Barring, obviously, if there's a significant injury and the team is willing to trade for Trey Lance, now that's a different question. But I also don't I, – I also question what team is willing to trade for Trey Lance. Miami. Miami's got backups though. They got yeah, Mike White. But, they got Mike White behind Tua. All right, but if if uh, if Tua goes down, like you know, I think let's they'd start Mike White over Trey Lance. I think that they'd Trey be Lance. open to. Yeah. I think they'd be open to getting Trey Lance in, especially if because you know, obviously, I think you know the, co- the coach over there has a familiarity with with Trey. He was part of the staff when they drafted him, right? Yeah, he, he was there yeah. for his rookie year. So, I, yeah, rookie year. You know, if they because if Tua, let's say Tua has another season-ending injury or his concussion thing comes back, they got to be out on him, right? They they have to be looking towards, hey, this probably isn't the solution for us. And based off of their draft, like they've traded away a lot of their draft capital, right, to build their roster. To me, I would think that especially if you're in the camp that, you know, you could get Trey Lance for not as much draft capital, I would say Miami would be a win-win for both sides because I don't think they think Mike White is going to be the solution. And I wonder how they're going to be able to, to like, level up their quarterback situation without first-round picks, which I don't know exactly Miami's, you know, draft situation, but I, I would assume with all the talent that they brought in using draft capital that they probably don't have their first rounds. I think they have their first rounder after they lost theirs this year. 
think they have theirs next year, but you know, you'd still expect it to be in the mid to late first round for sure. Yeah, so I'd be that that would be an interesting one to me. I think Miami would definitely be a place I could see Trey Lance going if the Tua thing they have to get off of Tua because you know he 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 can't stay healthy. I would probably, in in my opinion, I don't think that they look for Trey Lance if it, like in the in the case that Tua gets injured this season, I I do think that they roll with Mike White. They have confidence in rolling with Mike White. Um, just you know he'd he'd have he he'd be with them for the for the entire offseason he'd have that familiarity there i'm not saying i think mike white's necessarily better than trey lance but i think that they'd roll with him given the how they've essentially implemented him into the offense um over the entire offseason he's the guy with the familiarity with this specific uh skills or group of players so Miami, I, I I I think that if they they don't think two is their guy, they draft somebody because there is quarterback talent available in this next draft at the mid to late end of the first round where the Miami Dolphins would be primed to select. I think there are guys that they could view uh, as potential talents there, or they look to maybe make a splash in free agency like Kirk Cousins, but. I want to bring up Harold's point here about the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, that's a legitimate situation that I could see because they didn't draft a quarterback. They're a team that wants to compete. And if Jimmy Garoppolo gets injured, this is a team that I believe that they they feel they can compete a little bit. And it would be absolutely ironic. But the only issue with me with the Raiders is I don't think he fits the offensive style for Josh McDaniels as much. And that's the question that I have. I don't know if Josh McDaniels views Trey Lance as his top quarterback choice should they want to trade for somebody. But I think that, um, you know, I think you can consider Las Vegas given that they don't have anybody um, truly behind them after losing Mariota this offseason. The only question is the fit. Um, Minnesota, though. Minnesota would be interesting given they, I believe, they cut Kellen Mond. So he'd be interesting uh, in Minnesota, especially if they have an understanding that Kirk Cousins is going to leave them this offseason. The, the but thing I think though, that yeah, that go ahead. Minis- so Minnesota would probably be a offseason trade, right? Oh, Mid-season. I'm I'm assuming injury. I'm assuming injury to quarterback. Okay, well, if, Kirk if, if it's not if it's not injury, I would I would say that Trey any Trey Lance trade would be an offseason trade. That's that's yeah. the way that I view. Well, it. that's what I'm saying. So out of let's say. You know, God forbid, knock on wood, because we don't want to wish this. Yeah, Let's say course. Jimmy, Kirk Cousins, and um, Tua all get injured. <laughs> you know, same week, oh, they all go down, season-ending injuries to all three quarterbacks. So all three of these teams are either going to roll with their backups or, um, you know, try to try to figure out that through a trade. You think that Minnesota and the Raiders is more likely than Miami? I think Minnesota would be the most likely, uh, just in the way that I view uh, their divisions. Both of those teams, in my opinion, don't have very very solid backups that they trust. And I think that both of those teams would be in a position where they want to compete. McDaniels to the, for his job security, and Minnesota because of the weaker division. Uh, and, the, I mean, first, they were pretty solid last year. You know the chance they could continue to win and the fit of the offense. So I would say Minnesota is my number one team. Of those three teams, based on team fit, based on backup, based on um, team standard in terms of competing. Yeah, I would disagree. I think it's Miami because I think Miami, Trey Lance knows that offense. Mm -hmm. He's just going to come in and be able to know pretty much how to run that offense from day one. 
because it's the, yeah. it's the exact offense that San Francisco runs, right? Because they have the offense. He came from the offensive mindset of Shanahan. They're running the same thing. And when you talk about familiarity with players, I would push back that maybe Trey Lance is more familiar with, you know, you look at the running backs. Those are all 49er guys. Some of the receivers are 49er guys. The quarter, the coach is a 49er guy. So, you know, Mike White obviously has the whole offseason and all that kind of stuff on Trey Lance. But I don't think there would be that much. I don't think it would be that worrisome if they believe Trey Lance is a better option, not only for the now, but in the future, which I would assume they think that Trey Lance, if they had a chance to get Trey Lance over Mike White, I think they would have picked Trey Lance. Um, To me, uh, I think that that would be make the most sense um, for, for all parties. I think it would be great for Trey Lance because he would be put into a winning situation right from the jump. And I think it would be a, a win-win for Mike McDaniels, who would get a quarterback that I think he believes in and, uh, you know, would understand and, and kind of fit what they're looking for um, from a quarterback in their in their offense. No, that's definitely fair. I do want to point out one thing. I know Harold's bringing up arguments for Houston and Washington. I don't think a team with a losing record would make a midseason trade for a quarterback. That's the way that I look at it. I think they'd more rather have a full chance to evaluate their off options in the off season where they have an understanding of where they're selecting, what the buzz is around who selects around them before evaluating their quarterback situation rather than throwing away assets for a lost season, understanding that you might go in a different direction the next season. So that's the reasoning behind Houston. Well, Houston with CJ Stroud, they have their options. So I don't think that they'd trade for a guy, even if Stroud gets injured. I think they'd roll with whoever they end up having as the backup and then looking forward to continuing with Stroud the next year. Washington, I don't expect them to be good. And I expect them to go through the season with their current quarterback situation. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And they draft high and they take one of the top two quarterbacks in the in the draft. But if not, I don't envision a midseason trade. I don't think I think that they'd roll with who they currently have. Yeah, and I mean, I I think that especially with Eric Bieniemy there now as the offensive coordinator in Washington, he would probably want to get his guy if they end up, you know, if they end up being out right. with Sam Howell for whatever reason. Um, and there's no there's no real connection between Trey Lance and that organization, right? Houston, you would think uh, because of, you know, obviously D'Amico being there. However, from all reports, CJ Stroud, they're extremely high on. Yeah. Um, so I don't, and they, you know, they just traded their, a lot of draft capital to go up and get the two and the three pick, right? Well, they were already at the two, but to get that third pick. Um, so, yeah, I think that would send mixed messages to CJ Stroud to go in and get a guy like Trey Lance to compete. Um, doesn't make sense to me why Houston would do that. Yeah, yeah, I agree. want to give a quick shout-out to Jesse Naylor, Last Second Sports. Have I not missed that guy's not in the country right now. All right, have Jesse. not missed you one bit on Twitter. wanted to point <laughs> that out because you won't even see anything I post on Twitter. So I've not missed you one bit, but no. Jesse, obviously, one of the best guys in the business. Thank you for tuning in. Let's look forward, though, to uh, to training camp itself. We talked about position groups, position battles, and things like that. Let's specify it, though. 
And we won't talk specifically about position battles, but players. 49ers had an interesting draft class last year. Who do you think steps up in that 2022 draft class, that second, you know, the, the, the second years, we'll call them that. Who do you think steps up in that group? Yeah, I mean, and, you know, there's a precedence, right? We've seen the, the second-year players really, you know, make a big impact, namely, you know, you, you know, namely Talano Talano Ufunga, Ufunga? Who, yeah. who ended up being, you know, an all-pro in his second year. You know, we also saw Aaron Banks play a real – take that huge leap and really solidify, you know, that left guard position playing, you know, really, really well at that position. Um you know, so those two are really standouts. And, you know, for me, I think there's a lot of, you know, good options. I think, you know, I think that most people would want it to be Drake Jackson to be that guy that really steps up. But for me, I'm going to put my money on Sam Jackson or Samuel Womack. I'm sorry, Sam Jackson, Samuel Womack. And, and the reason why I say that is because I think that he's going to get the opportunity because we just know that the cornerback position, it's hard to keep guys healthy there. And it's a super impactful position. And we've seen flashes of Samuel Womack. And I just think with, you know, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like all the stars are aligning, right? The new defensive coordinator that comes in specializes in secondary uh, Samuel Womack is, you know, on the fringe, right? Because they're, they're drafting new corners all the time. Diamondo Lenore has really stepped up to solidify himself as, as CB2. So I think, you know, they got, you know, Isaiah coming in, you know, looking to really solidify himself as the, as the, the, the slot or the nickel corner. So I think there's going to be a lot of competition there in that secondary. And I, I could see that kind of, you know, um, right, rising tides lifts all boats. I could see that, you know, really invigorating a guy like Samuel Womack to elevate his game because now there's guys, you know, behind him that are looking to get his spot as that CB3 possibly, outside cornerback three. And then he has to kind of compete with a guy like Diameter Lenore to really maybe even see the field outside of, you know, injury. So I would bet that that, you know, concoction of, the new coaching staff, the new coach being a specialist in the secondary, the depth that the corner or the, the competition that that cornerback room is going to have all leads to a guy like Samuel Womack really being able to take that leap. Yeah, and I mean, you talked about a couple of guys there. Samuel Womack's one of them. I'll go a different direction. I mean, you, you brought up Drake Jackson. And if we look at the – if we just take a look down to the run – or look at the rundown of the class, Drake Jackson, the headliner – 61st overall pick in the second round. He's the guy who many people peg as, you know, the 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 up and coming guy because he's got a projected starting spot this season opposite of Nick Bosa, a place where you're generally uh, facing one-on-one situations and have a chance to, you know, accumulate a good amount of stats there if you can if the production can match, you know, the talent that is there with Drake Jackson. And so Drake Jackson's the guy who you'd expect to step up the season. I think this will be a make-or-break offseason for him in terms of how big his role will be in 2023. 49ers could bring in another guy, but if they're confident enough, you've got your guy in Drake Jackson. And so I think that that works overall. Third-round picks, you got Danny Gray, you got Tyron Davis-Price. Those two, 
start with starting with Davis Price, I would expect similar uh, output from 2022, unless Elijah Mitchell gets traded, which could be a possibility. Mitchell um, obviously has faced some injuries, but when he's on the field, he's very good. And so when you talk about Elijah Mitchell, if he's there, you've got your 2-3 punch behind Christian McCaffrey with Jordan Mason, another guy on the list, and Elijah Mitchell, leaving TDP as that fourth running back for the 49ers. So he'll likely be an inactive for most games if that's the case. And so, you know, don't expect too much from him this season. After that, you've got Danny Gray. I've said before I pegged Danny Gray more as a 2025 guy than a 2024 guy. I think that he'll see an increase in role after two seasons in this offense with Jawan Jennings and Ray Ray McLeod scheduled to depart after this offseason in terms of going into unrestricted free agency. 49ers might let them walk and bring in Danny Gray into the fold, allow him to you know earn some snaps in the slot, maybe even on the outside, and work his way through uh, earning what his draft status indicates. But I don't think that he'll see as big of a role in 2024, or sorry, 2023. I think it's more so he'll be a special teamer and that speed can be used as a gunner. I like your pick about Samuel Womack. Another guy we, we mentioned is Spencer Burford, a guy who, um, you know, second year and a first full year as a full-time starter. I think Spencer Burford's got a good chance of stepping up. I think he, uh, I liked him coming out of college. I think he'll project well, and I think he'll have a solid year. Womack, we'll see. I think he he's more of a special teamer again. I think he's similar boat in that I think he's 2025 or, well, 2024-25 is his year because I think Oliver has a uh, good year in the slot. He's the guy who starts in the slot. Womack is a key special teamer, but with the 49ers and their cornerbacks, you never know how it'll go, right, in terms of the depth and the injuries that could potentially persist. And so he might be called up in spot duty in some difficult situations like he was at times last year. Hopefully he's more prepared, but he's going to get some opportunity likely at corner at some point in the season and also will be a key special teamer. The guy, though, who I'm most uh, ready to see hopefully steps up, well, he'll step up from what he had in 2022, is Khalid Davis. I think Khalid Davis is going to have a solid season. He's a guy who um, should slide into that rotation, should make the 53-man roster, and hopefully get some playing time. A solid run defender, that's likely where he'll be used, even though he's a little undersized, explosive, that works out. And I think he's the guy who I'm really looking forward to in 2022. Obviously, Brock Purdy as well. Yeah, I mean, obviously Brock Purdy probably will take the cake if he starts, right? Because, you know, the, the the success of this team is going to be locked into what Brock Purdy did. So, you know, I'm keeping him out. But the two guys that you listed that would, would be next on my list outside, so without Brock Purdy, Brock Purdy's number one. But Spencer Burford, you mentioned, I think, you know, him being able to be that right guard without looking over his shoulder now and, and having to do that rotation with Daniel Brunskill – you can see him really um, taking that leap and solidifying himself as that right guard and kind of locking that down for the next, you know, five to 10 years type of situation. Uh, but I, you know, I think you downplayed it. Even if Elijah Mitchell's on the roster, JP Mason is the one that's been making kind of, yeah. uh, you know, the, the noise in this offseason. Although, you know, obviously OTAs and, you know, with no pads and all that kind of stuff. Not much, but the same type of noise that Elijah Mitchell made, was making, even though, you know, Trey Sermon was drafted higher, you know, there was guys like Jack um, and, you know, other people that were there watching and saying, yo, look out for Elijah Mitchell. 
he might be the guy that actually takes over the baton and ended up doing so in his rookie year. You're hearing that same type of talk with, with, with JP Mason. So I'd be interested this. I think that he could be a guy that plays a major role for this team, um, you know, and, and possibly even earning outright, you know, that, that cute, that RB two role behind Christian McCaffrey or being part of that three headed monster where obviously Christian McCaffrey gets the bulk of the load, but Elijah Mitchell and JP Mason probably getting even amount of reps behind him uh, based off of who's performing better on a game to game basis, which is what we saw Kyle Shanahan do in 2019 when he had, you know, Tevin Coleman as a guy who got majority of the carries. And then, you know, right. based off of who had the hot hand, either Matt Breida or Raheem Mostert would get, you know, the, the next amount of, of, of reps. I could see JP Mason kind of jumping in there and, and because they don't, they can't trust Elijah Mitchell to stay healthy for the whole season, giving him more, more reps to possibly rest Elijah Mitchell or, you know, in the event that Elijah Mitchell goes down, really taking that baton as RB2. I think, yeah. I mean, this is a, a very key one. I have confidence in Jordan Mason, and I think his durability and his increased receiving talent will put him in contention to get that RB2 spot. And I think the way that he runs, you know, he provides something different, and he's the bruising back, that closer type of back that can help complement Christian McCaffrey, who's more so elusive and shifty between the tackles. So you got a couple of different guys. I think, I mean, I think the 49ers still have value in Mitchell this season because he still is a little bit different. He has, uh, uh, you know, breakaway speed to top the physicality that he provides, even if his injuries do harm him a little bit. But J Jordan Mason, I think he's a guy who definitely um, is a guy who's, who's going to stand out. And hopefully that leads to an increased role in 2023, more confidence in him. Wonder how his pass protection is going to be. Wonder how um, he'll be utilized in a receiver role. But I think that with the running back spot, 49ers are looking to replicate somebody um, in that Christian McCaffrey or Christian McCaffrey in that role. In that the 49ers want to get a player who can be utilized in that McCaffrey package to where they don't essentially have any tells offensively. They can utilize that same package with a different player and see the same outcome especially when it's not as expected as it is with McCaffrey in the fold as a receiver yeah I mean just going through the list we just went through right now another you know hats off to the scouting team and you know whoever runs the draft whether it be John Lynch or Adam Peters like the amount of talent that they have young talent still on this team that you know you're talking about some of these players aren't even going to be utilized to their fullest potential for another year right so um it's just amazing how well the 49ers draft um, to constantly be able to replenish thinking like a year or two down the line versus just who's going to impact the team right away. Really good situation to be in, um, you know, if you're the 49ers to constantly have the, the replenish guys on the bench learning without the pressure of having to perform right away. Oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. Now, Sunil, we talked about some of the training camp stuff. Talked about some of the quarterback stuff. Want to get to some season predictions. And we see the headline of the video. Shout out to my guy, Al Sacco. Um, runs the No Huddle podcast on 49ers Web Zone. Talked about Brock Purdy and potentially being a Pro Bowl corner, quarterback excuse me, in 2023. Entertain me on the idea. What do you think about the topic? 
so the topic is if Brock Purdy can be a pro bowler, right? Yep. So obviously with the intention that he's healthy. Yeah. So yeah, obviously that's going to be a huge role. So to make the pro bowl, you have to be top three in the conference. Correct. So for me, you know, and we're not talking alternate, right? Because alternate kind of throws a wrench in it, but we're saying top three, obviously with alternates, you know, he, you know, he could be that fourth or fifth, depending on, you know, who wants to play and who makes the Super Bowl, all that kind of stuff. But I'm slotting in Jalen Hurts, guaranteed Pro Bowl spot. I think he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the um, in the league. I think he's by far the number one quarterback in the in the NFC or at this point. Then you got Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, um, Jared Goff, uh, Brock Purdy. Gino, uh, yeah. Matt Stafford, and Justin Fields to me are the next like two out of those group. I think are going to be, you know, the 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 next three, next two after Jalen Hurts. So, do I think Brock Purdy is going to be able to put up better numbers than a Dak Prescott, than a Kirk Cousins, than a Justin Fields? I think those are kind of like the three that I'm choosing from. And okay. I would I would probably say no. And the reason why I say no is because those other three so I think Justin Fields is is going to have a breakout season this year. I think he finally has weapons. He's, you know, in his third year has started the, you know, the the first two years and is we've seen him get better and better. Dual threat quarterback, I think those guys just end up having the stats to be able to be a Pro Bowl player, right? Um, and that the division he's in, there's opportunity to take a leap forward because I don't think there's anybody really in that division that that's like has a stronghold over with Aaron Rodgers going, Dalvin Cook leaving. I think that that gives a lot of opportunity to all the teams there. Um, so I think it, I think my my bet would be just Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, and Locks actually. So then it's really Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Brock Purdy. The reason why I don't think Brock Purdy is going to make it, not because I don't think Brock Purdy is going to have a great year. I just think the offense he's in, it's just not a prolific passing offense. And he doesn't have the rushing numbers to be able to make up like a Justin Fields might be able to have because he might not have the, the passing numbers to make up for it. You look at Kirk Cousins and that offense, especially with Dalvin Cook gone, you, you expect them, you know, they just brought in – Addison, um, along with Jeff, you know, already having Jefferson there, I think they're going to air the ball out. Kirk Cousins is going to have, you know, possibly close to a 4,000-yard season, if not more. And then right. Dak Prescott bringing in Brandon Cooks, they, they just let go of, you know, um, Ezekiel Elliott. So they, they're going to be, you know, more of a, a passing offense as well, I would say, especially with, um, you know, now the coach over there is going to end up taking over you know, calling duties now that Cal Moore is with, with, with the Chargers. So to me, I just think it's going to be more about opportunity versus who I think is going to be the better quarterback. I think Brock Purdy is going to win more than most quarterbacks in the NFC, if not all the quarterbacks in the NFC. I just don't think in the offense he's in, which is a run-first offense with a guy like Christian McCaffrey, he's going to have the ability to put up the passing numbers 
that are needed to really solidify himself in a Pro Bowl conversation. I like the argument, and it's an interesting topic. I, I, I just wanted to crack down some of the numbers, right? When you look at Purdy, just I'm, I'm taking purely all, like, what is it, six of his games in the regular season that he played significantly, five starts, and then the Miami game where he got subbed in the end of the first quarter. You average it out. He averaged 218 yards per game, put it over a 17-game period. That's 3,706 yards. Um Accuracy at 68%, touchdown-interception ratio of 37 to 8, obviously over a 17-game season this is. And so, like, they're solid numbers, 3,700 yards, 37 to 8 touchdown-interception ratio. The only thing is, you're right, there is good competition, and the NFC is weaker for sure than the AFC, right? Like, the quarterbacks that made it last year were Geno Smith, Kirk Cousins, and Jared Goff. Hertz obviously was selected, did not make it though because he was in the Super Bowl. And so you've got a couple of options there. And when you look at Purdy compared to the rest of the bunch, Smith was solid last year. You could expect him to have a similar performance under a team that got better, in my opinion, offensively. Yeah. You know, um, added another weapon in Jackson Smith and Jinko. Two weapons. Yeah. They got uh, Zach Charbonnet too. Like, yeah. In the running, great out, in the running out of game. The, yeah, out of the backfield as far as a passing option too, and Kenneth Walker should be healthy as well. Like, exactly. Seattle, Seattle has has a squad. You know, they're no, nipping they right do. at the heels for the 49ers for sure. And the one thing about Seattle, like the 49ers of a few years ago, they're young. All their players should develop, right? You're expecting Abraham Lucas Charles Cross to develop at the tackle positions, and you're expecting guys like Kenneth Walker to develop and alongside you know the rookies they drafted to develop. So they've got good options there. Eugenio could have a good year there. Dak Prescott was not named last year, I believe, because he missed the first portion of the season. That was an injury. He's normally a, uh, a, a Pro Bowl quarterback, at least in a weaker NFC. He's an option that you've got to consider now. Hurts is an option you always have to consider. Justin Fields, you talked about him. He could break out. And I think all the options from last year. Goff has a chance to repeat what he did last year. You know, it's a strong offensive line unit there, a solid running back group, and some solid wideouts too um, that now adds Jamison Williams to the mix. Well, after six games, that is, but still adds Williams to the mix. You know, I think it's a strong group there as well. And Stafford's back. Stafford's back as well. Yeah, he, he he struggled through injuries all of last season. So a good amount of, um, what do you call it, a good amount of competition. But to say this about Purdy, strong, strong finish to the year last year when he was starting. And I think that, I don't know if he can eclipse 4,000 yards in, a, in, in this specific system just because of his arm limitations. But if he's fully healthy for the 17-game season, I think that he'll have a pretty, pretty solid uh, season this year. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I, you know, you, the numbers you mentioned, I think would make it in a different era. <laughs> but in this era, right. I don't think unless you're putting up, you know, if you have those type of numbers, 37,000, 37 and 8, which is amazing, right? You also have to have 500, 600 yards rushing with another, you know, eight touchdowns, right? Because the quarterbacks that are just throwing the ball are, you know, Dak's going to be over 4,000 yards. Kirk Cousins probably going to be over 4,000 yards. Possibly, you know, Stafford, Goff could all be over 4,000 yards. So you're looking at, all right, you know, what? how are you separating yourself? But the goal, Brock Purdy can't play in the Pro Bowl game anyways because he's in the Super Bowl, right? So uh, this could all be moved at the end of the day. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Love Harold's comment here. Keep this one. Sunil snubs Brock Purdy. They're recording for the end of the season. We'll keep this because <laughs> I'm on Sunil's train right now. But hey, man, it's been a it's been a hell of a show, a fun show. We talked about a lot. Want to give a shout out to 187 here for tuning in. Bang Bang Niner Gang, as you say it. But uh, all the guys in the comments, thank you guys for tuning in. Any last thoughts, Sunil, before we head on out with this uh, fun discussion here on quarterbacks? Nah, man. Uh, you know, like we said in the beginning of the show, it, it is a you know rough patch for content creators that constantly you know keep having things to talk about. But appreciate you guys locking in and and you know supporting us uh, through the downtimes. And you know it's gonna only pick up from here. Hundred percent. You guys, you got twenty days, and then it's a real, real pickup from there. So y'all be sure to stay tuned to both of our channels. Hit the links in the description to make sure you're subscribed. And for those of you guys that tune in both on audio and on video, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it, and we'll see you guys next time. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.